We're going to talk about a word this morning that is so familiar to us, and, and I would suspect that uh, most of us in our own framework, we're pretty sure we have a handle on what this word means. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an excellent word. It's a quote. In fact, uh, we're going to see in a moment, uh, it's, it's really a priority in God's economy, God's perspective of life and, and the way we live it on this earth. Uh, because we think that we have a pretty good handle on the, what the word means, God throws us for a loop when he comes up with statements like this. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and in our context, where the way we use that word love, we're thinking that, that makes no sense. Uh, you know, there, there are people I love, but they, they aren't in that list. Or, or love covers a multitude of sins. That may make a little bit of sense. We understand that... Uh, you know, when I love somebody, I, they, uh, uh, I tend to maybe allow, give them bigger allowance than somebody I don't really know, that, that I don't really care, care for, that isn't a part of my daily relationship. Or, or he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And, and we'll look at a word like that and we're saying, wait a minute, how, how do I do that? How, how can I not remember when somebody has done me wrong, when somebody has tried to harm me? And so, so in, the context, in, in our context, we... We see things like this, and, and we hear the Word of God, which talks a lot about this Word. In fact, it, it really makes it a high priority. We've talked about that quite often here at, at this church. It, it really makes, uh, he says that, uh, in fact, Jesus said this himself, and he's talking to his followers. He said it is the, the world's picture, the folks out there that don't know God, that, that God, in a sense, has given them permission that if we don't do this well, then they're allowed to look at us and say, really, this God thing doesn't matter. It doesn't work. That's a, that's a big deal. So, so, and then, you know, in the midst of all that, uh, uh, he wraps it. In fact, the passage we're going to look at today, and some of you are already ahead of the game. You know where I'm going. But, but as, this, as we continue to walk through this letter that Paul wrote to the church, the folks in Corinth, the, the section we're going to look at today book, is bookended with these statements that, that really says, man, this is a big deal. This is important. He starts off right before we dig in, and we're going actually to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, if you want to get there in your Bibles or your devices, and maybe a sound guy, somebody turn at least one of the house lights on so that uh, folks can look at. But as he steps before you, as he's stepping into chapter 13, he starts off with this statement. Now, I will show you, not a excellent way, you know, one of many. He says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. That's the, that's, the, that's the framing, the beginning statement into this conversation we're about to have in chapter 13. And then he comes to the end of that chapter, and he ends it this way, that the greatest of these is, and the blank field in there, is love. And we're going to talk about a number of things in between there, but, but as you see those statements, the book in this whole section of Scripture, you've got to walk away with it with this perspective of, man, this is a big deal. What we're talking about this morning is huge. Because as God impressed on the heart of Paul to write about this topic, this subject, he impressed that, that both bookends of the, of the statement should say to us, important. And so we're going to dig in. And, and, you know, it's really interesting, you know, as, as, uh, 
as I frame this thing, this is such a big deal. And in fact, Paul will say, I think in a lot of respects, what we're going to find out as we look at this is Paul's going to say that this issue, this thing, this, this conversation we're having, uh, it is really the thing that will, exposes us. You know, I can say whatever I want to say, but Paul would say, if this is not a part of who I am, uh, and not just once in a while, and not just with some people, but period, every day with everyone, if this is not a part of who I am and who you are, it exposes the fact that really things are not where they should be with my God. That's what he's saying here. And so, so we're talking a huge thing. And, and then he makes statements like this. As we dig into this, he, he, kinda, he makes some statements that will throw us for loop. Number one, he says, words mean nothing. Now, you and I agree with that. We say those kind of things, don't we? You know, I don't, I don't care what you say. Your words mean nothing if your actions don't back it up. But in the context of this discussion, he also says, really, a, a person who has extraordinary supernatural giftedness, that really means nothing as well. And, and you're saying, wait a minute, I thought last week, you know, we're in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and that, that whole conversation was about how important spiritual gifts are and that the God, the Holy Spirit, lives within us, and he's given each of us at least one spiritual gift, and, and, and the body, the health of the church uh, is derived from how well we use our gift or if we're using our gift at all. And, and now you come out and say, yeah, but it means nothing. Well, what gives? Uh, preaching the word. Man, yeah, he's stepping on toes here. He says, being really good at preaching the word, delivering the, what this book says, means nothing. Knowledge, you know, we, 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 we place a high priority on knowledge, and especially as followers of God, really high priority about knowledge of this book, you know, uh, we, we, I'm constantly reminding us that we need to be in this book, we need to be reading it and asking God to study. I've shared my own personal failures in this area as early on in my ministry, I, I, I really would be, get into these pages primarily from the perspective of preparing for what to teach instead of from the perspective of, God, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to know? And I, I had to really switch gears. Uh, uh, it was leaving me empty because it was just part of the job, and, and it had to be more. But he's saying having all the knowledge, being the most knowledgeable person that there is about even this book, the inspired Word of God, eh, means nothing. Having tremendous faith. You know, you've met those individuals that just have astounding faith. They just, you know, everybody else, you know, I, I've studied, and you probably have some of you as well, uh, George Mueller, and, and man, here's a guy of faith that just, just trusted God for things that would scare me to death. And, but he was so sure. I mean, he just, there's this confidence, but, but, but Paul says, doesn't mean a thing. In fact, we just going backwards of what we started off with, words mean nothing, but he says, you know, really actions mean nothing. You know, and we, we, we would say that, we could figure that out. There are people we know that, you know, they're really good. Mary and I are watching. Every once in a while my wife gets me to watch one of those Hallmark movies. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and I've shared with you honestly before that the reason I don't like to watch them is because I cry and she doesn't, and that's really embarrassing. <laughs> But, you know, so we were watching one a while back, and, and I remember, the, I don't remember which one it was. Some of you might know. You'd be able to tell me. But this guy, it was, he was, he was this guy, and he wanted to date this girl. And, and so he, on their first date, he took her t- to a homeless shelter, and they served food. 
And, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh, it, he is such a nice guy. Well, he, the, the woman's watching, and she can tell that all the people that are coming up food, they really don't like this guy too much. And so finally she, she gets in a conversation with him, and he says, yeah, that's where he always brings his first dates. It's the only time we see him. And he realized, okay, actions don't always mean something. He, he was trying to send a message that wasn't really about who he was. And so he goes to this whole list. Even a willingness to be martyred for your faith means nothing. Now, you, some of you are ahead of me. You're saying, okay, that's not exactly what it says. No, it's not. It's in the context. He says, none of those things matter if we don't get the love thing right. In fact, follow. Let me read it for us. 1 Corinthians 13, starting, uh, we'll start right before verse 1, where I started a moment ago. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong, a claiming symbol, clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can act and move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So as big a deal as all of those things are, I want my my words to be backed up by action. I want to spend time in this word and know it well so that when, when I teach from it, or even from my own life, when I'm studying it and, and I see God's truth, I, I respond to it because I know it. I want it to be so much a part of my life that when I'm in conversation, God's bringing me things that should be said based on his wisdom. And I'm a, I want that to be a part of my life. I want to have faith. And I, I watch people, and and, uh, uh, and I see their faith, and I, and I say, Lord, that's such a cool thing. But he's saying, you can have any of those things going for you. If you do not get this love thing right, you've wasted your time. So this is a big deal. This next section is where he actually gets into defining this. Most of you know this. In fact, you, you would say, oh, yeah, I've heard this this lots of times uh, it's usually in the context of a wedding, isn't it? You know, we, this is the passage, and, 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 and that's fine. Uh, although we need to know that this is really not a passage about marriage. This is a passage about us. About folks that say, I am a follower of God. I am in a relationship with God because I have accepted God's gift of forgiveness. And, and this is a, a passage where he says, okay, if you claim to be a follower of God, let me tell you what I'm looking for you. As your God, how I want this to show up when it comes to this issue of love. Now, if this is going to work, though, and, and we'll walk through quickly the definition that he gives us in a moment. Uh, if it's, if it's going to work, we've got to understand what God means by love. Because, see, that's part of our problem. When we think of love, we think in our, con- in the, in our context, our perspective, which is wrapped up in, in love that's wrapped up in emotions. Uh, it's lap- wrapped up in, in response to how others treat us. It's wrapped up in the way I feel, you know. Uh, we have those individuals in our life that we would say, Matter of fact, I, I love that person. We don't say that about everyone. And yet he says, 
you need to be able to say it about everyone. And, and so for that to happen, we're going to have to, we're going to see this topic, this word, in a different context than our own, aren't we? In fact, even as you go through the definition, you know, you start realizing, okay, wait a minute, this is so different than uh, uh, what I see. And for some reason, oh, here we go, I think we're working now. This is so different from, from what I realized, because here's his definition. He says, and, and some of this stuff we, we totally see, but love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Uh, love does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. That all fits. We, we, we'd say, yeah, that, I can see that. Yeah, that's, that, that's really true. The difference would be that he's not saying it in just the context of those special people in our life that we'd say are part of our family or maybe our church family or we just really like. He's saying it in the context of the world, of everybody, of each other in the church especially, but of really everyone we come in contact with. And, and so now it gets a little struggle. But then he gets into things like love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Man, that's a troubling one, isn't it? How do I not keep, you know, when someone's done something harmful to me, to hurt me, and especially, you know, it's, when it was, at least from our perspective, is deliberate, how do I not, how do I not remember that? How, how can I just set that aside? Well, part of what you need to understand, uh, and, and, and you think this is troubling, wait till we get to the next section, part of what you need to understand is, uh, really, uh, maybe a better translation of that would be, in, and it's, it's a, the terminology there is an accounting, and it's more of a, a better translation might be of, is that love doesn't show the numbers every time we have a conversation. Love doesn't bring up the account every time we have a conversation. Love, love the, the account's there, the number's there, the record's there, but but. If I'm going to respond to you in a loving way, I'm not going to remind you of your failures every time we get in conversation. Because that's not a loving, that's not a godly. And what's so cool about this whole conversation is, is this is the kind of love God has for us. Uh, you, you know, he, he is not throwing. We sometimes throw our past failures in our face, you know. Satan loves to keep reminding us of it. He's the accuser, but, but God never does. And so he's saying, you, you do not keep that account in front of their face. You know, I, uh, years ago, my father and I were having a conversation about this, actually not too long ago, and, and uh, he reminded me of this. I'd forgotten it, but he remember, reminded me that there was a time when I was a teenager, early teens. Uh, uh, you, I, I share with you some of my testimony. That wasn't a really fun time in my life, especially in relationship to God. But I remember one time, and Dad, well, Dad reminded me, he says, there's a time, and I forget what I did, and I don't know that he remembered, but he said, when I did it, I it was one of those times where I had the uh, the proper response. I I went and asked. I told my dad I was sorry and I asked for forgiveness. And he says, Paul, if I, he says I don't know if you remember, but you know it was a pretty big deal. And, and so and you were going through a rough time in life. And so there there were lots of those kind of discussions between you and I where you had done things that really were were wrong, and I had to confront you about it. And it was a difficult time in our relationship. He said, but if you remember. Uh, for a, for a period of time, every time I would come to con- talk to you about something, I always went back to that event. And I'd say, remember what you did? And he says, I'm not sure why I did that. Maybe part of it was because your hot heart was soft there. I want to remind you that, you know, you've shown. And, and he says, but, 
there came a point where I, I frustrated you so much, you finally said to me, Dad, I asked you to forgive me for that, and you said you did. Why do you keep bringing it up? That's what this is talking about. Love doesn't do that. You know, uh, I use the Love and Respect course for, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful study. Dr. Eggerich is the guy who teaches it, and just a, a great study for couples. But he, he does this, he makes this one comment. He says lots of times in, in these relationships and in these kind of conversations, we don't get hysterical, we get historical. <laughs> and, and he says, no, love doesn't do that. And he's not saying love doesn't remember those things because how, how do we forget? I mean, God, by God's grace, sometimes we do, but some, they're there. But he says, but love doesn't bring it up because love does the right thing. Love doesn't delight in evil, rejoices in truth. That was one of those that was, I, I wrestled with for a while. But, that, you know, this is, I think in the context is, love doesn't say, I told you so. Ever done that? You know, the, you warned them. You tried to tell them, if you do this, that's what's going to happen. It happens, and you just, just can't keep it out in your, in your throat. You know, it's got to come out. I told you. And that's what it means. Love doesn't rejoice when I tried to tell you, if you did this, this is what's going to happen. And so now there's a little bit of rejoicing going on because I was right. And, and I'm going to make sure just in case you didn't catch it, that I told you that this is what would happen. He said, love doesn't do that. But what it does is it rejoices if you grow, if you learn from, from the hardship. You didn't have to go through it because I tried to warn you, but you did. Okay, so you did. You made a mistake. All right. You learned something. That's great. Let's regroup. Let's move forward. That's love. This is what he's talking about. And this, he's saying this should, be, this should be the description of how we relate, relate to folks. He, he kind of goes on. He says, love always hopes, protects, trusts, perseveres. This kind of love never fails. And it's interesting. I, I, I kind of look at that, and boy, that word always, man. Always hopes, always protects. Always perseveres. That's a tough one. And I read MacArthur, and, and he says, uh, well, he says, you need to understand that, that, that Paul's speaking in, in hyperbole here. Because the reality is Paul's going to write, he's going to write a letter later on to a church in Galatians, and he's going to say, you know what? There's some guys that have come into your church that I'm saying, do not trust them. So he's not saying that everybody we always trust and every, you know, whatever. But he's saying that basically I think this is what he's saying is, you know, our heart as followers of God is that we, we, as a default, give the benefit of the doubt. Our default is, you know, to say, okay, you say that's the way you're going to do it, this is the way you feel, then, then I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And it doesn't mean we ignore the history, but it means we're not always carrying that history over. We're, we're choosing to protect and to trust and to hope. Because when we do that, he says, this kind of love never fails. I mean, how, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty amazing statement. If we love in the way he just described for us, he says, it will never fail. Well, in our context, there's a, there's a whole element of, of the word love that's missing. It's the emotions, the feelings. The, and he says, no, this is, this is about, this is, this is a godly love. This is an obedient love. This is a love that does what is right 
regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the other person, it does what is right because it's right, because it's godly, because we know in doing so we're pleasing our Heavenly Father. Now, he knows he taught in, in this context and as he talks to this group of people that this, what he has just described is so opposite, and we know it too because we've been working through this letter from Paul to Corinth for quite a while. Man, this does not describe this church at all. They are, they are the opposite. So, man, he's laying it out. And he says, this is, this is what you have to become if you're ever going to be a healthy church. If you're ever going to make a difference in the community around you. This is what has to mark you. And, and he kind of walks through. It's interesting because this was not on, it wouldn't have been on their list at all. In fact, when we walked through the gifts last week, the spiritual gifts, uh, he did, he's going to focus. That there was, it, he made it clear in that discussion in chapter 12 that there were certain spiritual gifts that they'd kind of elevated. They'd said, if you asked them, well, well, of the spiritual gifts that Paul lists, which are the most important? They would have said, okay, here are the most important ones, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. In fact, if you read, we didn't look at all of it, but if you read in the context of chapter 12, they actually pushed. They, they kind of did this thing of, uh, you know, yeah, spiritual gifts are good, but if you don't have one of these, you're kind of second class as far as the church goes. And that's why he says in the middle, as he says, you know what, you don't even choose what spiritual gift. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And in fact, he says, the, the ones that you guys talking to this church, this church in Corinth, the ones that you have kind of set aside and said, these are the biggies, are not the biggies at all. You know, you, you look at, I, I, wanna, I, want, you know, I want to do what Paul to talk, because he gets us to do all the talking, and we have to sit here and just nod or shake our head or, or whatever. And, and, uh, and he's saying, because you think that's, that's the biggie, that's the big deal. That's not the big deal. It's those, those support gifts that are in the background that you may not even see it's happening that, man, makes such a big deal in the hell of the church. And so he's talking to me. He said, you've got this all mixed up. And he says, in fact, where there are prophecies, they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. In fact, uh, I'm going to start off because they're, two, they're different Greek words. He says, you know what, someday prophecies and, and knowledge is going to be replaced. As big of a deal as you think the, the, the prophecies, looking at the Scripture and, and what God has laid out through His prophets about what's about to happen. And man, you're all into that, man. You like to know all those things and kind of figure out the times and the seasons and all. And as big a deal as you think that is, someday you're going to find out that's going to be put aside because you're going to find out you're going to live in the future. And it'll be replaced. And knowledge, you're all wrapped up in, in knowing. And, and it's a good thing to know the Scriptures. But, you know, someday you're going to stand in the presence of God in eternity. And here's what you think he's talking about here. And, and all of a sudden you're going to realize, I thought I understood. I really didn't. <laughs> it's going to pass away. And, and so those two things are the same Greek word. The reason I distinguished out tongues is because it's a whole different Greek word. He said, and where there are tongues they will be stilled. Actually, they'll disappear. They're not going to be replaced. They're just going to disappear. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of conversation and debate about when, where, how that's going to happen. I'm not going to get into that today, but uh, they're going to disappear because as big a deal as, as, as the church in Corinth as those things were, Paul's saying they're not the big deal. They're gifts of the Spirit. They're great. But the big deal is love. 
We know in part, we prophesy in part, someday perfection's coming. And the lesser, these things that we say are such a big deal now that this church was saying such, he says they're going to be replaced by the greater. I think he's talking about primarily love here. He says, so let's get back to that subject of love. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I think he's saying, you know, there's a difference. What we call love, what we wrap around this, this terminology, he says, that it's really childish love. Because it's all wrapped in me and my feelings. You know, it's, it's like the baby. They're, you know, the, that baby is, they're, they're wrapped up in them. They're so cute, we don't care. But, but they're wrapped up in them. Uh, I shared this morning, and I might as well do it now because it's out on tape anyway. It, Melissa, we, you know, we had, Melissa's a, our third daughter, and then Josh came on the end, and, and Melissa was the baby that, that, that cried at night. Does she still do that, Travis? Okay. Uh, oh, Hugh snoring. Okay. Maybe that's why she cries now, yeah. And so there were, and, and I want you to know, my wife, my wife can sleep through anything, anything. If our house was falling down, I'd have to wake her up and probably drag her out because she's not going to, that's just the reality. So I was always, I'm a light sleeper, and so I was always the one that would wake up when the kids were crying, and, and, and so lots of nights, lots of times I'd take her in, pick her up and take her in to Mary Lou, but sometimes I would get up and walk with her, and I can remember one time just, she would cry, and she just, she didn't want to sleep, you know, it's, didn't matter to her, it was three in the morning. I remember just holding her and saying, would you please go to sleep? <laughs> That's babies, they're about babies. And he's saying our perspective of this, this subject of love is, is so childish, so immature. It's time to put it away. It's time to have the kind of love that God's described here, which is not a love that's based on emotions and feelings and how you treat me. What you say about me, it is simply based on I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. I'm going to love you patiently, kindly. I'm not going to throw it into your face, the account of past. I'm not going to do that. And I can't say I live up to that all the time. But he says, this is what I'm looking for in my children. Mature love. Now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. This, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's going to come this day where what this love look like, looks like is, is going to, every question, every confusion, it's going, to be, it's going to be just laid aside because we're going to face to face stand before perfect love. And in that moment, we're going to realize how he's loved us and we're going to see, ah, uh, that's what you meant. But he's asking us as his children to learn how to love now. Love each other well because he's already made it clear that how we love each other is the one thing that will say to a world what we have in a relationship with God is real. If we don't love each other well, then he, he's given them permission basically in his word to say, you know what, you're a bunch of phonies. Love does what's right. Because it's right. Not about the other person. Not about that person at the cash register. It's not about that person that cut, just cut me off. It's not about that person that said things about me that they shouldn't have said. It's about me being 
loving to them regardless. That's what God wants. And, and if you don't know him, let me just remind you at this moment, this is exactly God's heart for you. He, he's not, you know, uh, when my father's mother, it, for a long time, she didn't accept God's love for her. She would say to my dad when he talked to her, well, as soon as I get my act together, I'll, I'll come to God. And, and he'd say, Mom, it's not about that. It's, that's not God's heart. He says, come as you are. I love you as you are, where you are now. I, I'm not worried about that list that you're carrying around in your mind. I just want you to know that I want to be your father. And that's where God is for you today. If you don't know him, he is saying to you, I'm offering you as a gift forgiveness. I'm going to restore the relationship we have. I will be your heavenly father. You're going to spend forever with me. And, and even right from this moment, I'm going to be with you always. And that's what he wants for you. So today, if you haven't accepted that gift, do it today. What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Father, thanks. We we need a refresher. This is an old passage we've heard many times, most of us. We need a refresher what, what love looks like from your perspective. Love that's not wrapped up in emotions or what the other person has done or the feelings or, or any of those things. Love is wrapped up in doing the right thing because it's the right thing. Doing the godly thing because it's godly, because it pleases my father. It has nothing to do with what my husband's doing, what my wife's doing, what that other person's doing, what that salesperson does, what, that, what they said it has to do with God. I want to look like you. Frankly, I want to look like you. I want to please you. I want you to look at me as your son and say, son, I'm proud of you because you love well. Lord, thanks. We, we needed to be reminded we're going to have opportunities probably before this day is over to show whether uh, we are going to step up to the plate when it comes to this issue of love or whether we're not. Help us to love well with a godly love. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand as we close this morning.
that day And on that day When my strength is failing The end draws near And my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise Unending Ten thousand years and Thanks for worshiping with us, and we'll see you next Sunday.